is Tales from the Upside, and I'm your host, Hani Fahim. One of the themes that I'm attempting to explore with this series is a concept I call Ops Life. It's essentially the worlds behind your browser. It's an exploration of the complex ecosystem of technologies and, more importantly, the human element. Operating in this space can be wondrous, exciting, and often strange. It has no shortage of challenges and offers that addictive feeling of success when you overcome them. On occasion, an influence well outside this world can cause a ripple effect that ultimately reaches the phones tucked away in our pockets. What happens when this influence is a government regime? What happens when they decide to meddle with the everyday life of its citizens? Today's tale takes place in December of 2015. I was at home, which way's up? Building a new high-quality chair from a well-known, ready-to-assemble, big-box furniture store. There. It's crooked when I was interrupted by a page. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to finish this up later. What? Time to jump online and see what's up. All right, let's test out this new system. A week prior, our team had deployed a chatbot to aid us in our ops life. Show me what's down. It's a virtual robot, or bot, that hooked into our many different systems and provided a unified interface. We had programmed the bot with a dictionary list of names, and upon inception, the bot would pick its own name. Okay, Emily, show me the alerts. Emily is the name it picked. Okay, looks like it's only this customer down. Oh, new alerts. Wow, that's a huge traffic spike. And high load. Show me the deploys. Deploys are what we call it when our customers make updates to their code to push out new features, versions, and bug fixes. Problems can arise when something unexpected results from the code changes in a deploy. Hmm, Nothing in the last 12 hours. We use our bot to tell us if there's been a recent deploy to help us correlate to pages. Probably not related to a deploy. But this is a lot of traffic. Usually a spike in traffic can mean one of two things. A customer's under attack, a DOS attack, or some legitimate event took place that causes a spike in usage. Hmm, I wonder if there's some marketing event going on. Marketing events are the typical cause of legitimate traffic spikes. Let's see if there's any news about a new version or a feature or something. New app versions deployed, a featured spot in an app store, or even simple mentions by prominent social media figures can cause an influx. Hmm, can't see anything on this customer's social media page. It's important to figure out if this is legitimate or not. There's a fork in the road ahead and a critical decision needs to be made. No mentions or articles on this customer. Defend or scale. This is starting to smell like an attack. If it's an attack, we must defend ourselves. If it's legitimate, time to add more resources to handle the traffic. This is what we call scaling. Emily, log me into the proxy. A proxy is what we call a load balancer. A typical web application would have many systems ready to process your requests, like an army of cashiers at a busy grocery store. A proxy is like a coordinator monitoring the lineups and directing you to the least busiest cashier. Uh, Cashier number three. 
All right, let's take a look at those logs, see what kind of traffic we're dealing with. Like a detective, he's on the hunt for clues. All right, tail the logs, oct dollar one, sort unique dash C, sort dash N, head. Ops people are lazy. Hey. In a good way. Linux, which is the operating system we run, is filled with shortcuts, abbreviations, and aliases, all in an attempt to save on those precious keystrokes. That gibberish he just spoke is a series of commands fed into each other, or piped, to check the logs, extract the sources, in this case IP addresses, and sort them. Okay, let's see what we got. The industry calls this command line foo. The purpose of this technique is to identify any patterns. On occasion, some IPs will stand out well above the rest. Hmm, nothing really stands out. But that wasn't the case here. Hmm, where are all these IPs coming from? Let's run a whois. A whois is another abbreviated command. It performs a reverse lookup to give you information on an IP's origin. Okay, this IP belongs to Brazil. Okay, let's try another one. Also Brazil. After a few more lookups, it was evident that most of this traffic was coming from Brazil. According to Akamai, in 2014, Brazil was ranked number seven in the world for source attack traffic. Based on our own internal data, Brazil was ranked as high as number five. Things were looking very suspicious. Very suspicious. This is looking more and more like an attack. Oh, what's this? Another customer had gone down. Emily, show me what's down. Another VPN customer? Both customers that had gone down were in the security and VPN space. Wow, they also have a traffic spike. Emily, log me into the proxy of the second customer. A VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network, allows a user to appear as though they come from a different source. And it does so in an encrypted manner. Tail, oct dollar one, sort. More gibberish. Sort dash NR, head. Who is this IP? Ha, Brazil again. Two customers down, both with traffic spikes, both VPN customers, nearly all IPs coming from Brazil. Is this an attack? Why Brazil? Is something going on there? In our experience, when looking for real-time news or information, Twitter's been especially handy. Let's try searching for Brazil. Right away, it was clear what was going on. Oh, this is all in Portuguese. Well, almost right away. Let's Google Translate. Big brother in action in Brazil. Justice ordered WhatsApp blocked for 48 hours. All right, let's see another tweet. The Brazil government ordered WhatsApp blocked for two days. I think many will be in jail over the weekend. Thousands upon thousands of tweets, all talking about the same thing. WhatsApp was being blocked. Several hours later, news articles would appear online confirming this. Real-time news via Twitter was instrumental in what came next. The best guess we had at the time is the block force... Uh, uh, hold on a sec, we need to sidebar here. Wait, who are you? I'm the sidebar guy. Sidebar guy? Why are you here? I need to provide some context, and you're not doing a very good job of that. Excuse me? 80 seconds, I promise. <sighs> we need to talk about Brazil's rocky relationship with WhatsApp. WhatsApp uses what is called end-to-end -end encryption, a security feature that ensures that communications between parties are secure from prying eyes. While this is certainly a desirable feature from a user's perspective, some see this as a threat, and Brazil's government is one of them. The government has demanded time and time again that WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, hand over user data in relation to criminal cases. WhatsApp has time and time again responded that this is impossible, that end-to-end -end encryption means that the data cannot be accessed. 
Brazil did not like that answer and ordered that the app be blocked for all its citizens for 48 hours. Apparently, 90% of Brazil's internet users use WhatsApp. That's 93 million users. Or about half of the country's population. It's the single most used app in the entire country, at least at the time. And this was their official stance. Unofficially, many suspect the real reason for the standoff is linked to Brazil's telecom industry. Their profits have been steadily diminishing as more and more users communicate over WhatsApp and lobby the government to take these actions. Regardless of the reasons, somehow this ruling caused a chain reaction of events that eventually caused my phone to buzz. Okay, this appears to actually be legitimate. The best guess we had at the time is this block forced Brazilians to find a way of circumventing. Using a VPN would certainly aid in this circumvention. Let's start scaling up. It was time to start building more servers, like a store expanding its location to handle more foot traffic. Emily, build 10 more servers and apply the app profile. Only the time scale is on the order of minutes instead of weeks to months. Emily, add these new servers to the proxy. Like adding more cashiers. This process lasted several hours. And by about midnight, the customers were back up and running alongside a whole new army of systems ready to go. I guess that's it. Time to call it a night. It was a restless night. My mind was racing. There was still a lot of uncertainty. Did we do enough? What if the band goes on longer? Will this happen again? At 5.30 a.m., I got my answer. Both customers were down again. Wow, traffic is up much higher than last night. Brazil was waking up. All right, Emily, let's do this. Sorry. It was time to scale up once again. Emily, add more servers. We were getting good at this. We were able to stabilize things fairly quickly and keep up with the traffic. Down again? Why though? We had outpaced the traffic and had a lot of spare capacity. There goes the other customer. But the customers went down again. Emily, show me the alerts. Huh, traffic is still climbing but load is going down? Load, which is a measurement of how busy a system is, and traffic usually go hand in hand. When traffic goes up, so does load. This doesn't make any sense. Usually. Something else was going on. Perhaps a bottleneck in a different layer of the stack? Alright, time for some more foo. Using a different series of commands, tests were run to determine if there was indeed another bottleneck. (laughs) Look at that. SSL handshake is taking a very long time. SSL is the internet standard for communicating securely. Imagine a bouncer guarding a door to a busy nightclub. You want to get into this club. You walk up to the bouncer, and like some old high school buddies, you perform an elaborate secret handshake. The bouncer gives you a nod of approval and lets you in. Mm -hmm. This is like an SSL handshake. What was happening is the bouncer was taking too long to respond to my request for entry. Hey, yo, are you there? Can I get in? I walk up to him, ready with my hand gestures, and the bouncer just stands there for several seconds, taking too long to even acknowledge me. Hello. The lineup outside the club starts growing because the bouncer just takes too long. Logjam. That was not an expletive. It's Logjam. Logjam is the name of a well-publicized vulnerability from only a few months back. This is causing the bottleneck at the proxy. We had fixed this vulnerability shortly after it was announced. Man, this is all the U.S. government's fault. It's true. 
Since the end of World War II, world powers, in particular the U.S., sought to tightly control the export of cryptography to the rest of the world. While everyone saw the benefit encryption brings, it also posed a threat to law enforcement and national security who fear bad guys would use it to communicate securely. <laughs> when the internet came around, upholding this control became difficult to enforce. In the 90s, the government began relaxing some of their policies and started allowing encryption techniques to be exported, but not before mandating the use of weaker encryption to ensure they always have a backdoor if needed. We are still paying for this today. While better encryption has certainly become mainstream since then, Logjam was a vulnerability that tricked the system into using this weaker 1990s era encryption. The fix involved removing support for this ancient encryption and also increased the difficulty of all other encryption algorithms, essentially making that secret handshake with the bouncer longer and more complex. And when the traffic spiked, the bouncer began falling behind and created a bottleneck. We had enough capacity to handle the users once they were inside, but had to add more proxy servers to allow more in to begin with. So what happens when your bouncer becomes the bottleneck? Emily, build me more proxy servers. Add more of them. And then it stopped. Recoveries? Only a handful of new bouncers were added, certainly not enough to handle the load. Emily, show me the alerts. Everything recovered? Emily had given us the thumbs up that all was well again. But what did we do? Emily, show me the traffic graphs. Traffic was down. What's going on? Checking back on Twitter. That's a lot of exclamation points. Someone's either happy or mad. Let's translate. Judge lifts WhatsApp ban in Brazil in less than 12 hours after ruling block punished users unfairly. The Brazilians were happy. We never really saw the true peak since the block was lifted early. How much bigger could it have been? I wondered. Wow, these numbers of new user signups are just astounding. In the aftermath, it was surprising to see just how many users were capable of circumventing a nationwide block. I really need to do some research. Let's uh, check Wikipedia. I was curious. PC Connectado? PC Connectado was an initiative launched in 2003 to offer low-cost tax-free computers to anyone who wanted it. That's a very smart idea. Wow, they mandated the use of Linux in open source technology. This was surprising. Similar initiatives have been launched in other countries, but usually they're based on Microsoft Windows. Oh, looks like Microsoft tried to get in on the action. Brazil was unwilling to pay the high licensing fees that Microsoft mandated. So Microsoft counter-offered with a plan to give a discounted version of Windows, but many features would be disabled or removed. <laughs> Brazil said no. Brazil did not like this. They outright rejected this bid and made a big public spectacle of this decision. One thing that stood out from this uh, experience... One sec, let's sidebar again. Oh, I'm sorry, do you have something to say? So, think about this for a minute. Cheap computers to anyone who wanted, but it runs Linux instead of Windows. I love Linux as an operating system, but it's not the most user-friendly or straightforward. It's extremely capable, clearly, since it runs most of the internet, but comes at the cost of a higher learning curve. Back in 2003, the learning curve was very high. It's like wanting to go out for a peaceful drive, but when you get into your car, you're faced with the cockpit of the space shuttle. How do you even turn this thing on? After many successful years of this initiative, the result is a highly capable and technical population. Then what happens when that same government takes away the most widely used piece of technology in the whole country? That explains why so many knew how to use a VPN. With their tech savviness, they had the know-how for circumventing this block. That's our theory, at least. 
Okay, back to you. Yeah. One thing that stood out from this experience is just how valuable Twitter was in identifying the triggering event. Imagine what would have happened if we didn't use it. We were heavily leaning towards this being an attack. As mentioned earlier, on too many occasions has attack traffic originated from Brazil in our own experience. Instead of treating these users as welcome guests, we would have seen them as our enemies and spent considerable time attempting to block their access. And another lesson I've learned in both my career and in life, government censorship and blockades are very difficult to enforce. As we saw with the Arab Spring and with this WhatsApp block in Brazil, people will find a way around, especially if it's part of their lives. In fact, Brazil attempted to block WhatsApp two more times in the months that followed, and in each case, the block was lifted within hours. Okay, back to building that chair, I guess. God, I hate furniture. Which way's up? There, finally done. Oh, no! It's a love-hate relationship. If you're enjoying the series, be sure to subscribe with your favorite podcast app. And if you want to spread the word, do it. Please give my show a five-star rating review and tell your friends to subscribe too. You can contact me with feedback or relevant questions via stack.io. That is S-T-A-C-K dot I-O. I'm Hani Fahim, and this is Tales from the Offside. Side.